Welcome to a new episode of the Oh My Curry Goodness podcast. I'm your host, Hamza Islam, and my guest this week is Tequila City Councilman Muhammad Abdi. And in case you're wondering, I'm talking about Tequila, Washington, so all the way on the West Coast. But nevertheless, I'm very excited to talk to him. He is absolutely an amazing person in the sense that he really cares about community building. And he is someone that has a, had a lot of challenges. He's had things that haven't gone, gone his way, but the one thing I would say I took away from his story is you're going to have a lot of obstacles, but it's about how you respond to those obstacles. I'm very excited to talk to him. And also at the same time, this could not have been the a worst day to record this episode in the sense that my favorite basketball team is the Brooklyn Nets. And as of this recording, we are recording this a day after my Brooklyn Nets lost to his favorite basketball team, the Boston Celtics. And not only did they lose, but they got crushed. And so I was thinking, what am I going to say? It, it, it was such a bad loss. It's like, how am I supposed to be able to have a conversation with them? But at the end of the day, I thought, hey, it's just a game. We'll, we'll get them next time. But I am really excited about my guest this week. And I hope you guys are inspired by his story and whatever obstacle or whatever is going on in your personal life that or any sort of obstacle I am confident that you are able to hopefully overcome those obstacles, as did Tequila City Councilman Mohammed Abdi. So here's my conversation with him, and I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Tequila City Councilman Mohammed Abdi, welcome to the Oh My Curry Goodness podcast. Uh, thank you for having me, Hamza. Appreciate it, man. It's, a, it's an honor. I'm not going to lie, this might be the most difficult episode I have done in the sense that we are recording this a day after your Boston Celtics destroyed my Brooklyn Nets. And <laughs> I remember watching the game and as the as the clock was winding down towards the end, I was thinking to myself, how am I going to be able to carry on this conversation? <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah. I just want to know because you are Obviously, you're based in Tequila, Washington, and anyone in the Washington area will be familiar with the Seattle uh, Supersonics, but where does the Boston Celtics come from? Like, I know this might be this might be an offensive question to you, but why not support the Oklahoma City Thunder? Where does the Boston Celtics side come from? Um, that's a, that's yeah. a great question. That's a great question. I'm going to give you that. So for me, the reason why I'm a Boston Celtics fan now and not the Oklahoma City Thunder is because... Growing up, I was a diehard uh, Sonics fan. My favorite player was Ray Allen. Mm -hmm. So uh, he was the guy that I idolized, looked up to um, every time. You know, I was watching a Sonics game. My dad, you know, he gifted me a basketball um, hoop in the backyard. And uh, I would mimic Ray Allen. You know, I, I wanted to become a shooter like him. So, you know, you, you, you are what you try to portray. So for me, I, I didn't want to be you know a point guard or, or forward nothing like that I was just working off of just what what what, what was my capabilities and, and what I wanted to you know you know be like so Ray Allen for me was I was like I just want to be a shooter like him so Ray Allen was my favorite player um, this is way back when you know some of us we didn't even have computers you know so what I did was I had a newspaper that had all it had the whole calendar for the, the the Sonics of that particular year. So I was sticking on my wall and I would just watch through our local channel and I wouldn't miss a game. So when Ray Allen um, got traded uh, to Boston, which then helped us, you know, eventually get Kevin Durant, I, I, I left with him as well. So I became 
a big fan of the victory with Paul Pierce and KG. And those are my guys. Those are my favorite, some of my, some of my honestly favorite players of all time. So, yeah. Okay, you know what? I, in a way, I relate to that because one of my favorite players as someone who goes to Ohio State was D'Angelo Russell. And then uh, there was also Karis LeVert, who is also from Ohio. So kind of that Ohio connection led me to Brooklyn Nets. So uh, we had a tough game last time, but, you know, we're going to make it. I, we, I'm confident that we're going we're gonna to do better than last year. But if there's one thing that I think the city of Boston and the city of Brooklyn are missing that Tequila doesn't or is not missing is the fact that you are a city councilman for Tequila, Washington. And I'm not saying this because you're here. I'm saying this because throughout the conversations I've had, it's, it's, it's evident that you are someone that is passionate about community building and someone who embraces people almost like a family in a way. And before I dive in, or before we dive into your story, I would love to know where the the community, like the, your, where the community side of you comes from. This this idea of whoever you meet, regardless if they're from the same area or not, you welcome them with open arms rather than just kind of brushing them aside. Where does that family aspect come from? Thank you, man. I appreciate the the kind of words. It, it means more than you know. And so, uh, yeah, no, I think for me, what that that communal, you know, um, spirit that I have, it comes from being the eldest of eight kids. Um, so, you know, you know, when my mom and my dad, you know, met in Kenya, Nairobi in a refugee camp and they had me uh, when we migrated to here, like it was a, it was a slow build that we're going to talk about, I'm sure, you know, some of the challenges with that, but God blessed me with a lot of siblings. And so I have one brother um, and six sisters and they're all amazing, very intelligent, very smart. And I'm, it's, it, it's like a blessing to be the eldest, you know, because in a way, um, those that, you know, are in that position because someone relate, like, you know, you, you got to be the one to set the example. You got to be a role model. Um, you got to do the good things when no one's watching. And uh, because, you know, you never know who's watching, uh, watching you. Your, your little sister could be watching you every little move. Your brother could be watching you, like whoever, you know, um, your loved ones around you. So I think God, you know, I lost my Tyler, like put me in a position to be the eldest for a reason. And then after that, it was just having competency. You know what I mean? I care about things. I care about people. I care about my loved ones. I care about human beings. And, you know, being raised by a grandmother um, for over for a little over 10 years, um, my mom's mom, you know, you know, I love her. She, she was a, a great inspiration in my life. Having my mother, obviously having my father, um, and then have six sisters. And then a lot of, you know, cousins, you know, I have, I'm also... Uh, my first cousin is that I'm very, very close to uh, my mom's sister. She has 10 kids. So they have um, three boys and seven girls. And wow. so I feel like I'm practically the eldest of 18. You know, when you combine <laughs> us together, eight and the 10. So, you know, it's not just even my siblings. I'm, I'm like their older brother, you know what I mean? And so uh, I put it upon myself. There was a pressure there. There was a, uh, you know, the, the way that our parents, you know, they, they raised us. They want you to just be be firm, be a good person, um, uh, be a leader. And it kind of just also came in within. There's some things that I had to teach myself. And um, yeah, I think being raised by a woman kind of raised my emotional intelligence, how to be compassionate, how to be endearing, how to be caring, um, because no better examples uh, in this world are uh, women, period. You know, you, you get those, uh, the empathy, the, the compassion, the sympathy from women. And then uh, my dad, yeah, my dad, my brother, like that, that, that manhood, like, you know, um, I was great, you know, and then having, you know, obviously my, my cousins and then my other two close cousins um, with that. So, yeah, just just a good multiply. I, I feel like I had a good balance growing up. Yeah. Yeah. No. And you mentioned about how you grew up, because I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you grew up, you were born in Kenya, I believe. And um, your journey to 
where you are today was one of a lot of challenges growing up. You grew up from Kenya and, t- and you moved to the state of Washington. And oftentimes, you know, and I know uh, as someone who's a fan of basketball, you will see like how often basketball stars move from city to city and they'll talk about their difficulties. But for you, moving from one country to another, that's that's a completely different scale. I mean, the closest thing I've done when it comes to moving is from one house to another, and I saw the difficulties. But from going from one country to another and in a completely different environment must be difficult. And um, just to give a little historical perspective for those who don't know much about uh, different populations, I think it's the state of Washington, Minnesota, and and Ohio. They have the three largest Somalian populations in the United States. So uh, for for you, I don't, and I don't know if you remember how much you remember about this, but was going to moving to Kenya one of those things where it was like you had to go kind of thing, or more of like a oh we see that there's more more people like us, so that's why we went. And also talk about the difficulties in moving because everyone has their perspectives on moving from one place to another, but for you, what was the difficulty in that as well? Yeah, um, great question. So the the difficulty that I had. Um, so my mom, my, so I was born in Kenya, Nairobi, December 16, uh, as an infant, um, came here about four, four or five months. Um, that's when I came here. And the first city I moved to was Tukwila, the city that I live in right now. Mm-hmm. And so I can't recall, of course, being that young, but, you know, growing up, right, you know, um, kindergarten, preschool, uh, first grade, second grade, I, I didn't know how to speak English. So I was like in the second grade. And so for me, um, it was a difficulty with the language barrier, the cultural barrier, you know, uh, because all I ever was taught at home was Somali, you know, you know, being a Muslim, you know, reading the Quran, going to Tuxi, things of that nature. Right. Uh, so that was way more stronger for me as, as in a sense of comfort zone than me um, learning about English. You know, English was the only one I was in school, but predominantly I was, you know, raised to, you know, speak Somali with my parents. That's, that's what I understood. And so, Second grade, um, I just remember I was taking a lot of English language learning classes and I was trying to get better with my fluency and everything like that. So it was hard because uh, I was always a witty kid. Like I felt like I could be serious, but I know how to be jokeful. And yes. I was that kid that always had my hand up, raising, uh, wanted to participate. You know, I wanted to read the books out loud when the, when the, when the teacher asked, uh, uh, you know, who would like to read in front of the class, like this one little line or this book right here. I always wanted to, but I felt embarrassed because i didn't speak english so i just like what's what's even the point what's even the bother to do that and 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 i gotta give a lot of credit to both my parents Uh, my mom was actually a volunteer at my uh school um she was for me and my my brother um when we were struggling to just get acclimated especially me i didn't really know the language that well but my my siblings did way better at speaking english at a much younger age than i did obviously um (laughs) because they weren't they weren't dealing with some of the issues that i had but um my mom volunteered a couple of days a week just to be there as a support, um, you know, you know, head start preschool. So, you know, I really appreciate it. My mom was like a teacher assistant. And then, uh, yeah, my dad taught me all the ABCs and, and everything, how to just get better at home. You know what I mean? Uh, so, uh, it was, yeah, the, lo- the language barrier, the culture barrier was tough. And then, uh, yeah, speaking, of, yeah, just, uh, I don't know, just being the kid I always wanted to be. That was, that was tough. Yeah. Before, and I can relate to you because I, I grew up in that same aspect because obviously I was born in the United States, but with my parents being born in Bangladesh, um, I didn't learn to speak English, I think, until like first or second grade, mostly because I was just more acting like more like a baby than anything else. 
And so, yeah, it's one of those, like, it's, it's, it's difficult because it's like, I'm in the same boat as you. And even today where it's like, I want to be the one presenting, I want to be the one uh, saying, reading whatever it is. But then it's like, what if I mess up that one or two words that just ruins the whole environment. But before we talk about city councilman journey, um, obviously as a council member, you are able to, one of your jobs is to obviously embrace your community, make sure that everyone feels welcome and that you're trying to help everyone in however way you can. But oftentimes you can't really do that unless you're able to help yourself. And you talk about how you're growing up in, a, in an, an environment that's different than, I guess, Kenya in, in a way. How were, and, and you're talking about how oftentimes because you didn't learn or you didn't know English until later on in life and some of the difficult things that or obstacles you had to overcome, how were you able to help yourself before you could help anyone else and so that you can make sure that you're keeping yourself in check? No, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that, part, that part is very uh, essential. So for me, I think what helped me um, get better, uh, for one, I challenged myself to you know, read books in the summer. So I was doing that. Um, my parents uh, put us in a lot of tutoring programs amongst all the other Somali kids like around the area. So my, my siblings, my cousins, we would go to, uh, you know, tutoring centers, but they didn't really feel like a tutoring center. It was like a family, you know, we got to go on trips. We had mentors. Uh, they took us, it was kind of like boys and girls club in a way, you know, yeah. um, but ours was called Rewa. So it was like refugee something, but uh, it was amazing. So, I, you know, being in those type of spaces definitely helped nurture, um, what my goals what was, you know, just to be a better speaker, a better person. Um, another thing that, so yeah, I challenged myself to read in the summer, joined uh, programs. And then, yeah, I think, I think the, the Dean, you know, the, the, the religion itself helped me a lot too. Um, as I was growing older, I, I grew up with a lot of Muhammad's in my class. I was, <laughs> have like three, four others, you know, and uh, sometimes I'd be Muhammad A, Muhammad B, Muhammad C, or Muhammad one, two, three. And, I remember at times, like, as a, as a young kid, like, I was like, it's kind of hard to somewhat stand out. I have the most common name in the world, Muhammad and Abdi. Those are probably, like, in the top 10 most common names in the world. You've got too many Muhammads in your class, um, you know, all these other things. And, uh, you know, obviously trying to get acclimated, you know, being a better speaker. But then I, I did some research on my name. I, I just asked my mother, like, why would you name Muhammad? And she's like, well, me and my, my your aunt, my, my dad's sister, uh, or in Somalia, what we call, refer as Edo, my Edo, I love her. She, uh, they named him Muhammad because they wanted to name me after the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Right. And so when I had the uh, the understanding um, and I could digest that, like, you know, I was at that age, I was like, oh, okay, this is, oh, there's a purpose. There's a reason why I was named this name, you know? Um, that's when it kind of hit me. It hit me like, oh, okay, Muhammad, like, you know, use, you know, you, you was meant to be a leader. You know, um, and and have a positive legacy in your community. You know, like, you know, I'm not I'm not going to be like like his status, but you know, the prophet would want you to be a, the best person you could possibly be to your family, to your community, uh, to society. And so I was like, maybe this is uh, my calling. You know, just to be a leader in some capacity. Um, and and being the eldest kind of started for me, and then everything else afterwards was like, okay, I just want to be involved in leadership roles. So I think I just challenged myself, Muhammad however I could do that that made me that made me feel the best like how I could help people putting smiles on people's faces was my passion you know so I started at a young age uh fifth grade I was a uh, peer mediator uh so peer mediators um kids wearing a vest and a construction hat I was one of those kids helping the families crosswalk the street 
So I did that first. That was the fifth grade. And then in middle school, I was like, a, we had a thing called A-team. So eighth graders were trying to help mentor upcoming sixth graders. So they just come out of elementary school. They're having uh, summer socials where you're trying to give them orientation. They're excited to get a locker, you know, excited to be in that middle school environment. I signed up to be an eighth grade mentor so I could help mentor the upcoming sixth graders because I enjoyed that. That made me happy, you know, going above and beyond just going to school those those 10 months that we do, but go volunteer in the summer. I was excited to go to school. I was excited to make new friends, excited to be a mentor, did that. And then uh, more leisure stuff followed through as I got to high school. So, yeah, that's that's what helped me get through those tough times. A lot of people have this dream of being able to do something, whether that's being an athlete, being an entrepreneur, activist, whatever. And come to think of it, uh, being a city councilman was something that has been a dream of yours for a very long time. Uh, I read somewhere that you were inspired because in, cl- in school, you met your councilman at the time and you told him that I'm going to be a city councilman one day. And here you are now being, I think, the youngest member, youngest member of the Tequila City Council. And I would love to know if you remember what that conversation was like. And secondly, when you're a kid, people have dreams all the time, but mostly they change because of sudden interest. So looking at those two questions, what was that conversation like and how realistic was your goal? Because I know basketball has also been a big part of your life. And I think you also wanted to be an NBA player, didn't you? Yes, I did. I did. I did. <laughs> yeah. So, wow, that's a great question. So if I had any, if I, if I, my biggest dream to be an NBA player, just like I'm sure a lot of guys in this world, you know, I wish a lot gave me that, you know, that, that ability. A lot gave me, you know, a ability. I was, I was a decent player in high school. You know, I, I like to hoop as a, uh, as a, as a hobby, um, as something I like to do for fun. Um, but yeah, no, I, yeah, that was my, if I had a dream, that was the NBA. Um, but in the meantime, you are right. You know, um, you know, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, you've done a great research. Uh, yeah. Um, my, uh, the, the city council member that I served 36 years, his name is Joe Duffy. He's the first black, uh, council member in my city's history. Um, he served for 36 years. Um, he's like a legend in our city. And he was actually a keynote speaker uh, at my school. And um, I believe elementary school and middle school and high school. So honestly, my whole childhood, like my upbringing. And I came up to him in one of those assemblies. And I said, I said, Joe, I want to be like you when I grow up. So I, I want to be a council member like you when I grow up. And uh, he remembered that. And uh, it was funny. Uh, he mentioned that at my uh, launch kickoff party. And, uh, you know, it was just like surreal, you know, to that he one remembered that I said that as a young kid, uh, because he's met a lot of great, great kids in, in his lifetime. So he, he at least remembered our conversation. And, um, yeah, like, it's just a, the power of manifestation, you know, uh, manifestation is always like a, a big word that I just, I always just love, you know, because it's like, you know, visualizing something that you want to be one day, you know, something that you see for yourself, um, you have a vision. And I did manifest, you know, I want to become a council member. I even said it um, in a documentary when I was uh, in, uh, when I was 18 years old, that I've never shared to the world just yet. I, like people have seen it back then, but right. I'm sure a lot of people forgot. And I want to, I'll bring that back one day once I kind of put some compilations of videos throughout my journey. Um, but man, it's crazy. Like I was like, people come up to me all the time and they say, Mom, you can become a mayor, you can become a governor, you can become a, a city council member. And I said that verbatim. And, um, you know, that's just the, the proud of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like when you, when you have good intentions, pure intentions, and you're a dreamer and um, you put the hard work behind it, you know, Allah sees your intentions. Allah sees, you know, your goals and, and here's your du'as. And, and Allah gave me that ability to to run one day and, and luckily, you know, gain that position. So 
I'm I'm honored, you know, to be the youngest cast member ever, and um, in my city, and and um, yeah, I have multiple dreams, but I'm 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 proud to say I'm living one of them. So, yeah. <laughs> I I want to connect back to basketball and talk about your leadership capabilities because you talked about how you wish you could become an NBA player. But oftentimes sports, they don't just make us, um, obviously there's the competitive aspect. We want to win at the end of the day, but oftentimes we also have these soft skills that we're able to build up. And I read a story and you might need to correct me on this, where um, you tried out, you were part of your basketball team for your high school for three years. And then your, your senior year, you thought you were gonna make it to varsity, you got cut. And so then you ended up being more of like a cheerleader or of a coach. But then two people, I think, from that same team, they had to like leave because they didn't have good grades. And then you came back in. And so I'd love to know, I think being what makes a, a good leader is you when things don't go your way, it's, it's about how you, you learn more about yourself when, when things don't go your way. It's like, okay, how do I respond to this? And you know, I, I heard about your story. And instead of obviously throwing everything, because this was a dream of yours, you said, okay, look, how can I still impact my way? Or how can I still make an impact on the team, even if I'm not playing? Uh, great research. Uh, yes, uh, I, I think, uh, my goodness, uh, you know, that was probably a, a pivotal moment for me in a way, uh, because, you know, like I said, um, I knew I wasn't going to probably be an NBA player. Uh, you know, I could see the writing on the wall, but my goal then was, was to be on the varsity basketball team my senior year, you know, um, I worked towards that goal uh, very, like a lot. Uh, so freshman year, I got cut. Typically freshmen do get cut, but I almost made it, but I got cut. And then sophomore year, I was able to make it on JV, great. Then junior year, I was a starter, amazing. And uh, and I was on the summer league basketball team. Um, uh, uh, you know, basketball programs, they tend to have some programs leading up to the next year. And uh, that was reassuring for me because I was like, okay, I, I need, I'm exactly where I want to be. This is just another reassurance that I'm going to be on the team, you know, uh, come during the year. So the summer was great. Um, and then when we get to tryouts. I'm doing pretty well in tryouts, you know, conditionings, everything, you name it. And then the final day of tryouts, my name is, is Abdi. So when you, read the, when you read the tryout list to see who made it, alphabetically, I'm going to be the first name off the rip because it's A and then B, right, Abdi. So I was like, I don't need to look down. I don't need to look in the middle. When I wake up the next day, all I got to do is look at the top one, and that's when I'm, I'll see my name. Wake up the next day, I'm looking for my name. My name is not there. And I can honestly say that must have been the most embarrassing moment in my life. Um, because, you know, I was a very spirited person in school, got along with people very well. I was uh, the MCs of the assemblies, the talent shows. I, I was like the school spirit in a way, you know. Right. Um, I was the one telling people to stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance and, and, and what their lunch is going to be that day. You know, I'm, I'm the guy on the intercom, you know. And so I, I say that to say, like, I was well pretty known in the school, you know, whether it be staff, faculty, uh, peers, uh, uh, you know, people that are much younger than me. I was I was loved by everybody because I loved everybody. I, I loved to adapt to everyone. And I came from the most diverse school in, in probably in the nation. Um, so when I got cut, the word got around fast. It got around to everybody, <laughs> you know, people that were at least that cared about me, people that was intrigued. Oh, wow. This is, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a moment in time where it's, you know, it's, it's, it's that sports season. Um, we know those are stacked to be on the team and those are not. And when people are talking about, yep, I'm, I'm there, I'm excited. I'm, I'm on the other hand, 
you know, the, on the end of the stick where I did not make it. So everybody kept on asking me, Mom, what happened? Like, you didn't make it. So it was just humiliating. Lunch was humiliating. Uh, going to classes, getting access, you know. And I had no control over that, right? I, I don't control whether I be on the team or not. That, that's on the hands of the coaches. So I, instead of getting emotional about it, uh, I mean, you know, I was not in the sense of, I, I, like, I didn't cry, but it did definitely, uh, it definitely uh, irked me and, it was frustrating, but it was disappointing. It was a big letdown. It was embarrassing. I just told myself, Mom, like, you just can't go out like that. Like, you, you have to be proactive about your about this. This is something that you want. And I, I got to get some answers. I got to know what's going on because I had excellent grades, too. So I go to the coach. A uh, uh, couple hours later, I wait for school to end, and I just stay. And I wait for the first practice to start. Before it starts, I go to their office, and I tell the coach. And so at the time, it was my varsity head coach, and his dad is the assistant, you know? So he's, he's like a senior. And um, I just asked him politely. I said, hey, coaches, like, I just want to know. I, I gave it all. I gave my all. You guys have known me. They knew me when I was in JV. You know, I was a part of the family. I, I met their their kids, like the, the everybody. You know, like I, I felt like I was part of the family. So I was like, if, if, if we're family and, and my skills have gotten better, like what could possibly be the reason why I'm not on the team? You know, essentially. Um, and he, they just, they say, Muhammad, they got emotional. They actually cried right in front of me. The dad, the coach, they said, Mom, this is a tough decision. And all the years we've been coaching basketball. And they've been coaching for over a decade, over a decade and some change. And um, they're like, this is, the, this is the toughest decision we've ever had, ever had to make. But we love you. And we still want you to be part of the team. But we're not going to have you travel with us. You're not officially on the roster. But we'd love to have you come to the practices. And that was such a, a hit to my pride. That was a hit to just everything I, I jumped about you know, you know, everything. And um, I just say, you know what, as much as I am disappointed with this decision-making, like these guys are my brothers at the end of the day, the guys that made it to the team, these are my, my lifelong friends. These are my brothers. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be here to support. And I'll be at the practices. So I go to the practices. Uh, and like you mentioned earlier, a couple of people had F's, you know, I, and I, I did mention that in the meeting too. I was like, I have excellent grades. I've been great. You know, me my years. But again, I was just trying to see how I could persuade them to be, to be on the team. Nothing changed there. So as I go on the practices and everything like that, um, a week passes by. They cut some of the players, the two players. And then they say, Muhammad, you're officially on the team. And I wasn't satisfied. I wasn't joyful or anything like that because I felt like I deserved to be on there. I, I, that's how much I believed in myself. I was like, Muhammad, this is not something that I should pat myself on the back. No, you worked hard to get there. It was just about time, you know what I mean? And through the grace of time, a lot opened that door for me. Great. Now we passed after that. Not only did I make it, but when we had to vote for team captains, I was unanimously chosen as one of the two uh, captains of the varsity basketball team. So I share this story all the time when I speak with kids, when I speak at high schools, when I um, speak to someone that, that, that is feeling a little down, you know, like because that was, like I said, my biggest goal in my life, one of my biggest mini goals was to be on the varsity basketball team. I envisioned that, I dreamed that, because I know I'm not gonna make it to the NBA, but I was gonna try to be one of the guys on their alma mater, their high school team. And so the fact that I got to make it to that dream, I always share, I always share the story to people. Don't give up faith, don't give up hope, especially on yourself. If you look at my situation, I had to advocate for myself. I had to be proactive. No one spoke up for me. You know, if I didn't speak up for myself and I was weeping and crying and I'm up, that would have never happened. But me uh, being strong-willed and having that conversation after that practice and coming to the practices, letting them know how much I love, but but I just love the support 
supporting my teammates, my brothers, it showed them, okay, we can give you this opportunity, you know? And so, yeah, and then I actually ended up becoming a starter a couple games. I brought my parents to my um, my senior night, and uh, that was my best game. I was the scoring leader of that game. I had, like, 15 points, and uh, and I never brought my mom and my dad to a basketball game ever. Uh, so it was great wow. to know that my best ever high school game was in front of my parents at my uh, high school arena uh, gym. So uh, I had the DVD and everything, too. So, uh, yeah, that was that was cool. They gave me that as a gift, you know. Um, but, yeah, man, just the power of not giving up. For sure. Yeah, man. No, I think that's what makes a great leader is even when things don't go your way, despite you, you, your dream, um, rather than taking it as a negative, you find a way, okay, let me let me find a positive out of this. And I respect that out of you. And as a councilman, you are obviously someone that cares a lot about your community. You care a lot about just trying to make life better for others, even if you may not get the most benefit, as long as it helps someone else. And at the end of the day, maybe something will, some somehow those good things will come back to you. And oftentimes when it comes to finding the right person, and I want to talk a bit about your election because I, this was something I didn't know because I always felt that you were, and obviously this is probably true. You are someone that is respected in your community, but oftentimes it, it may not be because of what the person's policies or vision or just the person that, or the leadership abilities that really oftentimes stick out. Unfortunately, when it comes to people of color and sometimes age, it's like that becomes, that becomes the much bigger issue than the actual, like, okay, how, what's the actual vision? And you are someone that has been open about the fact that you face discrimination during your campaign, where they'll look at someone that's like a person of color and they'll go, that's not the one I'm looking for. I don't know how often you dealt with the, the, the issue with age, given that you were obviously here, you are as the youngest member. I don't know how much that was an issue, but definitely the person of color, the, because your first name is Muhammad, because you're Muslim, oftentimes they're like, yeah, we don't wanna vote for that guy. We'd rather vote for someone who's white. And so for you, obviously, and we talked, you talked a little bit about, you can't control the things that you have to be able to, you have to be able to focus on the things that you can control rather than not control. But when these things come into play, obviously people will have their opinions of you. And the easiest thing to do is say, it's not about me, it's about them. But I'm also wondering how often you deal with self-doubt because you are passionate about who you are. You are grateful for your identity and who you are. But because these are the things that people kind of look at you, it's very easy to go, maybe I wish I was born in a different way. Great question. Uh, yes. Uh, so when I got elected, you know, the youngest that they've ever seen, you know, uh, you know, elected in my city, I was, my goodness, I was ecstatic. I was, you know, I'm a, I'm a very optimistic, so I'm a very positive. So I like to, you know, people that know me, my nature, like I'm just a, a usually a, a very happy guy, you know? And yeah. so, and I was, I was ecstatic. I was happy. My, my, my city was behind me. My, my, my family stood beside me, my, you know, the Tukula voters. Like, I, I can't be thankful enough for all of them. But when I started, my goodness, from the day I got sworn in to officially starting the work, I started to slowly have imposter syndrome, you know, um, which is the real thing. You know, I just, I was like, sometimes I was like, man, like, I'm, am I, you know, you, you doubt yourself a little bit, just a little bit, you know, like, am I good enough? Am I smart enough to, you know, uh, to be here? You know, because again, you also have to, you also have to know, like, as an elected official, when you first start, people don't talk about this enough, so much gets thrown at you, so much. Right. I one thing that I did not know as I as I got into office was the amount of emails I was gonna get. My goodness, <laughs> never seen anything like it. Still to this day, emails all the time. Things that 
crimes that are going on in the community, people that want to reach out to you and talk to you. Uh, uh, you know, you know, you got to review your packets, do your reading, um, all types of things, we, uh, retreats, whatever you can think of, you know. Now, that was one thing that no one prepared me for. If there was one thing I was like, I did not see that coming. Because you think about, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start doing the work. I'm going to do some readings. But the emails, wow. So that was one. Then it was like, okay, I'm learning about, you know, climate justice and this broken down bridge and this and that. And I have to get caught up because these there's a lot of issues that's going on way before I was even alive. So now I'm in a workplace where I have to catch up and know my history and know the context of things because I because of course I didn't know I just got into office right so um, when when that when that gets very overwhelming and it stacks up on you like you you, you start to I start to get a little bit of imposter syndrome I was like can I really handle all this like am I am I am I good enough am I smart enough I have I have confidence and I think confidence is a beautiful thing to have I, I think that's something that you work on internally and you definitely. It's good to have confidence. It's great to have confidence, uh, and for sure, you know. But we're human beings, you know. You're gonna have good days, high days, highs, lows, and sometimes you you doubt yourself and your capabilities. And I was like, my goodness, you know, uh, uh, this is getting a little too overwhelming. But I just I started to ask more questions, like I naturally do. If there was one thing I was known for as a kid, every student-led conference, Muhammad asked too many questions. So I always ask questions to my peer, to my mentors, uh, the, the, the elders, and um, that got me through, man. That 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 honestly got me through. So. I think that was just important, like, you know, hey, like, whatever you're, you know, whatever hurdle you're trying to get over, over overcome and the challenges, just know that uh, no one's going to help you get through it more than yourself. You, there's a lot of eternal work, a lot of spiritual work that you have to do within to, to, to get to the other side. So, alhamdulillah, I was, you know, I've gone through. Right. And you, here you are as the youngest councilman of Tukwila, Washington. And I know this is something that I think you've been elected for about a year and a half ish something like that a year about a year i just because i got sworn in january 3rd okay. uh, of last year uh and then uh yeah so that's like a, 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 over a, a year and some change yeah yeah fair enough but um you know and it's interesting because when it comes to elections a lot of people care about the president senate house of representatives mayor governor yeah. those things basically these positions but then oftentimes we don't really under like we don't understand the importance of a city councilman. And so I'd love to know what is the grind as a councilman like? Because obviously the easiest thing is let me make sure that everyone in my community is welcome. But I want to know more about what other things that you have to do. Great question. So, so yeah, so I get to ask that all the time. You know, uh, it's not just you, brother. Uh, there's people that don't know who their le local elected officials are. Which happens commonly, I, I get because again we're human beings. A lot of us come from tough beginning beginnings. We're we're trying to understand life. We we got a lot of things going on for ourselves. So I get asked that a lot of times. You know, uh, like, wow, it's such a sophisticated like you know position and you know the title and everything like that. But then, like, what does a council member do? And basically, all it is is we basically help make policies and budgets for the city. Uh, so we help regulate those things. Um, we come together as a body as a as a whole um so like for me in my city um we have seven elected uh council members right so uh when we vote on things you know we want to have uh, if it's three and three you always have like a someone that's gonna probably break the tie right so seven allows that to happen where it's not always gonna be tied when, when we vote on things you know it's a it's an odd number for a reason so there's that um and yeah so policies budgets you know um we just, help, we just want to regulate things. We just want to make things 
easier, you know, the quality of life easier for our residents, you know, so uh, it could be a transportation issue, issue, an infrastructure issue, a finance situation uh, with, you know, budgets, nonprofits, uh, it could be, uh, what are we doing to invest in school cameras, you know, what are we doing uh, with the police department, the fire department, you know, uh, all these things. So we have a lot of people that work for the city, uh, but we are elected city council members because we are just a representation of the city, uh, just uh, just in a voice to help uh, with these big matters, you know what I mean? And so th there's a reason why you have to go through a campaign situation because people elect you because they, you are gonna be their voice. It's not, it's not a me thing, it's not an I thing, it's a we thing, you know? And so, uh, yeah, we, we're just always constantly trying to put our ear out in our community. And when issues come up, we're trying to do our best to try to help represent their voice and what their concerns are and their issues. So, yeah. But the two main things, policies and budgets. Right. Uh, before before I let you go, I just have a couple of questions. And my first thing is, uh, you are still new into your your role as a, a city councilman. But given that this was something that you've wanted to do since you were little, and now here you are having this position, do you feel like you've basically accomplished everything in your life? Or is there something that you want to do in the future? Because you did talk about how your friends, I think in your, you, when you were talking about your documentary where people were like, you should run for mayor, you should run for governor, you should run for so-and-so. Is that idea still in play? Or do you feel like given that what you had as a kid, you've accomplished that. And now it's almost like, let me just do this for as long as I can. And let me try to improve the lives of my community. Yeah, great question. So um, I'm a big dreamer. <laughs> That's just one of my things, like my, 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 uh, my my qualities like you know I, I internally i just I'm a, I'm a dreamer and i and i and i try to share that and i always carry that you know on my sleeve and and i think for me this is just one of many things i wanted to be when i grow when i grow uh when i grow up one of the many things i wanted to be when i got older and um you know filmmaking you know i, I was able to make a documentary called uh, surviving the movement um it's, it's about mental health uh, what inspired me to do is when george floyd uh, that situation happened, unfortunately, and we lost Amanda Arbery and Breonna Taylor. And uh, I was like, you know, I have all this time. We're in the pandemic. Uh, I just want to do a documentary. I want to do something that gives hope to people, uh, gives gives light, you know, gives inspiration. And um, me and a good friend named Saul Goodwin, uh, we got introduced by a, a, a mutual of ours. And uh, we made this film. It took us like a month and a half to make. It's a nine-minute film. And I uh, put my loved ones, uh, activists, community organizers, and uh, a year later, it got recognized by the biggest mental health organization in America uh, called uh, Mental Health America. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was able to get an award for that, you know, get the, 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 the social media award for that. And so, you know, I'm like, I'm just a guy that just loves trying out different things. You know what I mean? Like, I have a lot of, a lot of goals. And I think um, I always just want to tell people, like, you know, if you have one many dreams, like, you only have one life. You know what I mean? Like, don't hold back. Because the least, the last thing you want to do is have regrets, right? right. Um, you want to try something, do it. Don't let no one get in the way of that. Don't don't let a naysayer or a hater or uh, your insecurities or uh, fear ever like you know you know get in the way of that. Like if you could, if you want to do it, you can do it. Because look at all the examples that we have in this world. Uh, I'm sure we all have someone we aspire to be like, uh, idol, uh, role model, uh, you know, a hero. And so I I just. I did my research, you know what I mean? Who, who are some of my biggest heroes? My parents, you know, I always give praise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, the prophets, uh, Dr. King, Malcolm X, you know, Ray Allen, you know, because, you know, <laughs> athlete of all time, you know, uh, he was a stand-up guy. He's a great voice for the, for, for, for the you know, NBA uh, and also just uh, folks that uh, have other issues in his community. So I was like, how can I take a little bit of a piece of all of that, but then make it about, make it me, you know? And then you mentioned it earlier too, one of the questions, like, does, does things change now that I'm elected official? In a way, yeah, because I feel like it's, I'm held on a microscope, you know? I don't really have room for error, right? Uh, I can't be out here uh, treating people wrong or saying, you know, harsh things or doing just bad actions, you know what I mean? Because if I do it, it will be on the news, right? Or it will be spoken about to the Muslim community, the Seattle community, the Washington community, and then so on and so forth. And so when you are a leader, I don't, it could be at your home, it could be at your job, it could be in your city, uh, nationally, locally, federally. Uh, it's important to know that people are always going to be watching you. So you just got to know that, you know, uh, just be your best at all times. Strive to be your best at all times. And that's all I always strive to be, you know, be, be the best politician I could be, uh, be the best Muslim I could be, be the best brother I could be. And then everything else will, will come into place, you know. And I, and I think Allah SWT could be happy with that because, you know, it's qair, you know, qair is just like, it's good. You know what I mean? It's not anything that I sure, I, I think that Allah is this this um disappointed in or, or frowning upon um, being the best that I could be to everyone and I'm happy to have lived a life where I don't feel like I've wronged anybody I'm not perfect but I, I there's no I don't have ill will nobody I don't necessarily have someone that is you know that absolutely hates me I'm sure you're gonna have people that dislike you um for whatever reason I'm sure I, I have some of those as well but <laughs> uh but but just go where the love is at go where the love is at recognize and, and embrace and cherish where the love is at and everything will be good so my last question is about college and i say that because you are someone here you are everything that you've dreamed of you've you've been away you've, you've accomplished those dreams and you i know obviously like you said you're a dreamer and you want to continue to find ways to not only improve yourself but improve the community and the interesting thing about you is you went to a community college and uh, i was listening to an interview that you uh you did and you talked about some of the stigmas about community college where people will go, if you go to this, then that means you're not smart. And I grew up with that fear. So like as someone who grew up from like 13 to 18, I was like, I gotta make sure I have the best grades possible. I have the best SAT or ACT score possible. And I mean, I obviously here I am at Ohio State, but for you, you went to community college and here you are basically, here you are today being a councilman. I'd love for you to talk about the stigma behind community college. And what do you think when people say, if you go to community college, then you're not smart. What do you think people are missing? And why is community college important? I know that's a cliche question, but what do you think people, but like from your perspective, what do you think that means to you? No, that's a great question. So for me, I, I, I've told, you know, I've, you know, I've been having, you know, speaking opportunities right now lately, my middle school, my high school, elementary. And I always tell these kids like, like, you know, for me growing up, I thought community college was, if you went there, you're not that smart because I, was always conditioned to talk, go for university, go for university, go for university. And I'm also the, uh, the eldest, right? So I didn't have an older sibling that I could have someone teach me the way, show me the path. I kind of had to do it on my own, but also lean on my mentors, lean on my teachers, right? And uh, they were always prepping me for uni university. And I applied for my dream school, University of Washington, Seattle, but I didn't get it, unfortunately. And uh, I, was, I, was, I was disappointed. Uh, I was sad. That was, that was probably the second most embarrassing moment in my life. But then I realized, you know what? First of all, Allah says everything, you know, 
there's a saying things happen for a reason right and i'm a firm believer that things do happen for a reason and um although i was the varsity captain basketball team had a 3.0 gpa i was in track and cross country and all these other things i thought that was gonna be good enough for a a institution to look at me and like you know what he's not a forward student but this guy he's well versed he's a leader he got a 3.0 could be a lot worse you know this is good enough but that wasn't good enough for them for whatever reason right so when i went to community college i learned wow i I actually enjoy the the smaller uh, classroom settings. I like having that intimate, you know, relationship in those conversations with my teachers. Because when you're in a university, especially a very big one, um, you're in a 500 uh, student class, you know, 400, 300. So it, it can get overwhelming. And you're just going to talk to a TA. And TAs are great. I'm not, no knock on them. But <laughs> it, it might not be uh, that effective for you, you know, depending on who you are, right? And it wasn't for me. I like to build that relationship with my teachers and stuff. So... I did that for two years. I went to South Central Community College in Capitol Hill, um, a city not too far from you know where I'm from, and uh, it was the best decision I made in my life uh, because my GPA, GPA went a lot higher. I went to like a three seven. Um, I became a better student. I just learned a lot better, and uh, I was like, you know what, people people make community college sound way worse than what it is. No, community college it's sometimes it's the smartest decision you can make because. Financially, you know, some, some of us, we can't afford to go to university. Some of us don't have uh, financial aid right away waiting for us. Scholarships, you know what I mean? Um, they Community colleges are made to be a lot affordable for students. And some community colleges, depending on where you're at in the world, they're free, which is even better because I believe education should be free. And I, I hope that's where our society goes to. But community college does not mean that you're not intelligent enough or you're not smart enough. Honestly, sometimes... I've even heard from some of my university friends, it's the best decision. It's the smartest decision because you're transitioning. You're going to take your two years of your prerequisites and you're going to have a smoother transition to university. Whereas coming into a, a big school, all these students, parties, whatever the case is, just a lot of distractions, just too many distractions. I've, I've, I've had a lot of peers that have doubted themselves that dropped out of university because it that in itself is it's a crazy experience. It has a crazy ambiance, a lot of crazy things to it. You know what I mean? It's great. There's pros, but the cons could be overwhelming depending on who you are. And community college, it will just get you right, you know? So it was the best decision I ever made. And then um, now I'm the, the first ever graduate uh, university um, from my dream school, University of Washington, Seattle in uh, 2021. And so that's honestly one of my many proudest accomplishments. Thank you, brother. And um, yeah, I just, I told myself now that I, I got over my hurdles, not making the basketball team, but I made it. And I have that, you know, inspiring story. Going to community college, then going to University of Washington, Seattle, graduate from my dream school, being the first to graduate, being the youngest to be elected, you know, in, in, uh, in office. Um, my whole purpose now, my whole story is to the young generation that I want them to know that they can achieve any of their dreams, you know, through hard work, passion, prayer, faith, uh, good intentions, pure intentions. Like, if I could do it, they could do it. You know, so I, I want my story, my purpose to be a light for them, to be a beacon of hope, to be a, a, a story of inspiration. That Muhammad Abdi, this, this scrawny young guy who, <laughs> who, who suffered imposter syndrome and, you know, wasn't the biggest, the tallest, the fastest, the strongest, the smartest. If I, if I could do these, these, thing, these things in my young life, then they can too. You know, don't let your age ever define uh, your capabilities because it didn't, it didn't for me. You know, no one thought a young person was going to be in an office in my age, in my city, let alone in most places. Right. But I let them know that, hey, 
uh, I felt like I was qualified. I felt like I was good enough, you know, through this, you know, through my work that I was doing since I was 14 in the community. And also, um, we need more young people to be civically engaged. We need more young people to to follow their dreams um, and not allow uh, the, the stigma or the stereotype. You have to be you have to be older. You have to be white. You know, you have to be a certain age, a certain look. No, you could you could do as young as your early 20s. You know, um, so that's what my story is about. So, yeah. yeah, man. And hey, I think you know you are uh, an example of the of many people in the sense that life is not linear. You know, there's things that it's it's it's, it's a roller coaster ride and there are going to be things that go your way and there are going to be things that don't go your way. And as Rocky said in one of his 10,000 movies, um, it's not about how hard you get hit. It's about how hard, it's about how hard you get hit and you keep moving forward. And you are someone that has fallen down, but you've always found a way to get back up. And honestly, I wish there were more people like you. I wish there were more people like at, at Ohio State. But man, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you for being a great example for the youth. And it's weird because like I'm 20 years old, but thank you for being a great example for me, at least how to be a better person. And um, let's hope that the Nets don't have to play the Celtics in the playoffs. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, hey, last year was the most funnest time, one of my most funnest times in my young life because we hadn't made it to the finals since 2010 and we lost to Kobe, uh, RIP. But, um, man, uh, I didn't think we were going to sweep you guys. I knew it was but Honestly, even though it was a sweep, it was close games, all of them. So it wasn't like we dominated you guys, you know. Uh, but uh, no, no, I, hey man, Kyrie was my guy. He was obviously on my team, so you know I got love. It's right for him. KD played for my city, right? So there, yeah, there's, there's, there's some familiarity there for me as a fan. But you know, yeah, man, I'm, I'm dying for a championship. I want to be at the parade. I want to go to Boston again. Like I'm so serious. Like I, I want to turn up. Like I, I need that as a because I got that. I watched that 017 because of course I've been watching NBA since 04. Yeah. But I want to experience one as an adult. And I and oh yeah, and um by the way, um, I know you were wrapping up and everything like that, but you know, you know, I, I have plenty of time if you still want to go on. But You're good. Um, yeah, so I, I'm doing great on time. But you one of your questions that you did mention earlier was that um how was my Boston experience? Uh going to Boston to for the playoffs. That was my first ever Celtics game I ever went to in my life. It was it just happens to be a playoff game. I on my savings, no whatever I saved up, hey, man, I'm going. I don't care. And uh, it was right after Jay Stan hit the buzzer beater, right? And uh, so I was like, oh, this is a, it's a, it's a good time to go to this, you know, game two. And then we won. So right now we're one to know when I'm in TD Garden. So I'm hoping <laughs> I can pick that up. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, now I'm, I'm wishing you, you know, the best with your booking nets and everything. And, Hamza, uh, I just want to say thank you so much for, you know, having me, you know. Yeah, it means the absolute world. You know, anyone that – recognizes you sees you reaches out to you was kind for me since you first reached out to me and i was like man this is a good brother man and i, I love what you're doing with your show i'm a fan um and i got to watch a little bit you know a couple episodes you know before i you know got on this show today and uh yeah man you're doing great man and i hope there's more people like you in this world too so oh man that, that means a lot for me man thank you so much and seriously best of luck in the future and i can't wait to see what's in store thank you man god bless thank you Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard or saw, feel free to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch it on YouTube as well. And for more updates on guests, preview clips, and more information on who I'm going to be talking to, who am I going to be talking to this month, feel free to follow us on Instagram at the OMCG Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being a supporter. And I hope to see you guys, I hope to see you guys 
in the next episode.